right, everybody, we're back, back here at the Community Feedback Loop podcast, where we talk about communities and stories relevant to the video game and esports industry. I'm Bob Holtzman, host of the Community Feedback Loop. I'm a longtime storyteller and medium time member of the gaming industry, and I'm joined by the show producer, a short time member of the gaming industry, Shay Kirkarudo. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're a medium time, I don't know where I even, I don't even know if I get short as a description at this point. <laughs> so if Shay's back in the intro chit-chatting, those of you that listen every week, um, you should know that means that we're bringing you another Community Flyby episode. It's going to be fun. I like these. I get to talk more. I mean, the, the guests are always great, but now I get to shine. So it's all good. <laughs> It's it, it's it's ideal to listen, but sometimes it's fun to share as well. So mm-hmm. we've got a few topics. Let's just get right into it. Let's do it. All right. So um, first topic of the day, the doc wants to get back to making games again, sort of. So um, I've always been a big fan of Dr. Disrespect. If you are maybe not totally aware of who he is, which uh, I would surprise me if you're listening to the community feedback loop, but let's just make sure everybody knows who the doc is. He is one of the most popular um, gaming influencers. He um, is a uh, YouTuber. Uh, he, and he, and he streams. Um, he's, he's a great player. He's, you know, considered one of the top Uh, first person shooter players out there in the streaming environment. And he's kind of built a reputation because he's maybe more of a personality than a lot of the other folks out there. I mean, I know Ninja's fun and he has his own vibe, but the doc is a persona. He's almost more like a Ric Flair from, you know, yonder WWE and NWA wrestling days back in the eighties and the nineties, or, you know, I'm trying to think like a, like a, you know, he's a personality. And so he wears a little outfit. He's got cool glasses and a mullet wig and the mustache. And, um, you know, I know Shay's a fan of the Champions Club, which is his um, his uh, fan group. And, you know, I, look, I I like the doc. I got my picture taken with him at TwitchCon one year uh, many moons ago because I was like, this guy's fun. He's he's run into some trouble, right? He's had some some Just issues. <laughs> Streamed in a bathroom at E3, got him kicked out of E3. Uh, that was mm-hmm. a mistake. Um, but he's a lot no of fun. On he, Twitch. You know, what's that? I said no longer on Twitch anymore. Yeah, that's right. All. He's no yeah. longer on Twitch. He had mm-hmm. some some you know, some reported marital problems. So he's very all the over two the time place. is a defining, he's a defining streamer <gasps> to say the least. The two time you got to remember he's the two time <laughs> Shay, throwing smoke. Uh, I mean, my, here's my doc story. You have the picture of him. I will tell you the doc is one of the first streamers I saw playing apex, which is uh, if anyone's been around for a while knows that that's like my main game. That's where I interact in the community. He was one of the first streamers. And that's a part of the reason I started playing the game so intensely was his crazy, crazy energy as he was uh, missing every shot because he's not very good at that game. <laughs> that game's hard. So, you know, true docs. I don't think docs uh, quite in my age bracket, but he's probably closer to <laughs> mine than yours. So, you know, cut the docs some slack. Shay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Tell them why we're talking about the doc. Yeah, why are we talking about Dr. Disrespect? We're talking about Dr. Disrespect because his team put out an announcement that they're looking to essentially build a game studio. And, um, you know, I think that's a really interesting idea, right? Like, 
having someone with his background, for those of you that, again, don't know the doc, uh, you know, his day job before he became the doc full time was as a game designer working for Activision on Call of Duty, uh, you know, so um, he's represented by CAA. And so that was kind of my initial thought was you have this amazing representation and this is kind of them planting a seed to grow potentially a big winner. Um, for me, I see this as, you know, the doc is not an esports player. But he's definitely kind of esports-esque as a streamer and as a content creator. Um, and one of the challenges in esports uh, is that, you know, it's hard to make money. You don't own the rights to the game. And so you have to kind of work very closely with the publisher or create your own content. And so I see this as kind of like an opportunity for somebody in that more of that world to say, hey, we want to get involved in that and where the, the real money in our industry is, which is, you know, making hit games. So, um, you know, personally, is it going to work out? I don't know. I don't think this is actually a job to develop games. When I read the job description, it felt more like a developer relations job. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I'll be curious to see if any venture capital money, like, you know, moves docs way. It was really interesting, obviously to read kind of the articles and stuff. And, I feel like we've seen all these streamers and big personalities. They always have their opinions on how to develop a game. As you mentioned, Doc kind of comes from that. But it'll be interesting. I like remember listening to Doc talking about Hyperscape when it first came out. That was a game I was kind of uh, somewhat excited about and a fan of as an Ubisoft person. And that dude was early to explain why it wasn't going to work. And I feel like you saw him break his personality and his persona a little bit when it came to actually talking about game development. And so I feel like there are definitely some signs that he somewhat will have an idea of what he wants to do and knows what he's going to do. But I mean, they've described it as he's going to partner with quote unquote mega influencers to launch their dream game. I mean, if you get a bunch of mega influencers, whoever those are, to play a game, there's a chance it's going to have some success, I would imagine. <laughs> well, I mean, this is one of the modern ways you release a game, right? You work closely with game developers. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, um, you know, I don't, I think we touched on it a little bit, but I think, you know, in the same vein, um, you know, I was recently reading about an Apex Legends mobile um, mm -hmm. uh, beta test and it was through an influencer and the influencer basically said the developer asked me to play the game, asked me to get feedback from the community. And, you know, I think that's probably, you know, a, a pretty common thing, but it fits right along in this world where, you know, those of us who are working in community and communications, um, when we can identify the right opportunities and the right ways to to partner and work with, um, you know, influencers, whether they're really big ones like Dr. Disrespect or, or, you know, those that are working on the mobile side of things, um, which are getting really big too. So I shouldn't just yes. say the mobile side mm -hmm. of things, uh, but you know, even smaller influencers, there's this real opportunity, I think for, um, synergies to exist and it's important, right? I mean, it, I don't think this is news by any stretch of the matter, but, um, it will be interesting to see with the doc if that power dynamic shifts because mm -hmm. now you know if he was to go out and raise 
say 30, 40, 50 million dollars and find the right studio to partner with and make a game. And now all of a sudden it's his game. Um, And he brings in influencers and takes their feedback. Um, He may be uniquely um, skilled because he was a game designer. Um, He's a unique case. Like when you look at it in comparison to other people, for sure. I think it's interesting because I think launching games with the streamers seems like such a great idea on paper and it seems to work well on Twitch and such, but... I feel like the challenge is obviously, well, you can get everyone to play the game for a week if you pay them to do it, but are they going to keep playing? And if they don't keep playing, the game then loses some popularity. And it seems like, at least if they are helping design the game, there's a chance that they'll keep playing it for an extended period of time, which seems to be very important to the success of a launch and partnership like this. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, one last topic on this. I, you know, one of the things I do think about with these streamers is um, because we would always hear about it in esports, like how long can these guys and gals do this? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and especially on the esports side, it's about, oh, you know, that fast twitchiness. You've got to be young. It's a young man's or a young person's game. It's mm-hmm. a young person's game. Uh, streamers feels the same way. And Doc, again, as I said, is a persona. It's not an actual person like Ninja. This could be a great way for him to take his brand out of just streaming and into a broader place and maybe Mm -hmm. a a more financially uh, sustainable one because games, like I said, they They make a lot of money. They make a lot of money. (laughs) All right. A lot of money. We're going to flip it. We're going to go from streamers to. Something that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, it was funny because I actually. I'm going to talk. I'm going to try to talk about it from a community perspective a little bit, but I am going to also talk about it from a personal perspective. And that is that Kerbal Space Program recently was announced as feature complete. So um, I worked on the game for uh, right around two years, uh, right Right as it really took off, um, I, I wasn't part of the original team, but I was kind of brought on as somebody from the industry that could help tell share its story with a broader audience. And, and frankly, it was you know some of the some of the most rewarding work I ever did in my career. Um, working with that team, they were a small group, a lot of talent. A lot of them continue to develop. Felipe Falange was the creator of the game, um, and Squad, the company um, that. Uh, that that employed Felipe was the developer and the publisher, um, and I worked closely with the you know the the gentleman that ran that company, and so um, it gave me the feels, Shay. You know, um, ten years. The game's been out for this is ten year mark. So it's like that's been a part of your life for a long time, from working with it into now watching it from afar. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think at that time in my career, one of the things I talked about was I want to work on games that can last decades. And Mm -hmm. so to see one, you know, that will continue on. It's not like it's going away. They're going to make Kerbal Space Program 2. It sounds like the existing members of the development team will move on to that. Like, it's pretty cool. Um, You know, I've worked on bigger games like League of Legends and and some of the games I've worked on as a consultant with co-op mode. and, you know, earlier in my career, you know, worked on games like MapleStory that have been around for 20 years. Mm-hmm. But Kerbal was special. Um, it was unique. It's still fairly unique for my career in that it's not a multiplayer game. I don't work on a lot of single player titles. Um, and, you know, 
the community, it was cool. One of the things that I always loved about that community was you'd go on the Kerbal Space Program Reddit, subreddit, and Shay, they would just be sharing all the cool shit they did, right? Mm-hmm. And and people would be sharing the stories about how hard it was for them to achieve something, but how it made them feel. Um, and, you know, the, the, the comments on, uh, I think it was the gaming subreddit, mm-hmm. were, were just pretty, pretty positive. And, you know, I hope that everybody that I worked with, you know, some of them I still talk to occasionally, but not too many, to be frank. Um, I hope they all got a chance to kind of enjoy that, uh, that announcement and appreciate what it meant um, for them. Because I think it's a pretty meaningful deal to see a game like that go from a kernel of an idea to a complete game that's getting a sequel. I'm glad that sounds like there are some positive vibes though around it in terms of the the community's reaction because that's uh all I see right now is negativity with the games I'm around so that makes me real real nice and happy to hear man I can't imagine when uh, Apex ends how much in the feels I'll be about that one as a just a player so we'll see well you know Apex is a little bit different Shay you know like that hey. that's probably a game not built to be feature complete um, unless they're making a sequel. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it is always, it it is kind of a scary deal. I think about that all the time. Like, what is it going to be like when some of the games that I, I play Mm -hmm. get sunset and you do see it from time to time. Um, Kerbal's not sunset though. You can still buy it on steam and uh, you know, it's second uh, one's coming and the (laughs) second one's going to come. Yep. All right. Well, it feels like our community flyby would not be complete without a little bit of Fortnite talk. I know neither of us are. (laughs) They keep it going. I don't think either of us are playing Fortnite right now. No. But uh, Ariana Grande had a concert in Fortnite, and you know I missed it. I was. um, I think it was when I was on vacation. Um, Mm -hmm. But it sounds like it was one heck of a show. I've seen the videos of it. I did not load into the game and play it myself, but I did watch it. My sister was very excited about it. And so we sat down and watched like the rerun of it on YouTube. So it was a fun time. It was really cool. Uh, a lot more popular than the Travis Scott one in comparison, which just kind of shows how awesome Ariana is. Well, and I thought it was a really cool moment. Uh, Polygon, uh, you know, one of the best, one of my favorite outlets for, mm-hmm. for writing. And, you know, I always like when I get the chance to work with the writers at Polygon on the PR front, um, wrote a story specifically about how much it meant to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, that, the, and that they really came out to support Ariana Grande, both in game and her in game skin, uh, mm-hmm. which was I guess, very popular with Fortnite players. And, you know, this is kind of a cool moment, I think, for the gaming community, because this isn't the first time a female pop artist has been established as, you know, a gay icon. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is the first time it's happened uh, where a video game was part of it. Well, I mean, the gaming having gaming, having the reach, I feel like that it has right now is still somewhat relatively new in that sense from partnering with like this music people and other forms of industry like Fortnite is still like one of the few people that are doing it at such a large scale so it it is cool to see it unfold before our eyes well i think you're seeing a lot of this i think music and i think um brands really are starting to pivot their strategy around how they want to work with video games and how they want to be involved in the space. 
Um, and I think you're also seeing announces a new partnership every day. I feel like at this point, (laughs) well, and I think you're also seeing games change, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's now this talk, this broad talk, thanks to Mark Zuckerberg about the metaverse and where gaming fits into that is probably pretty center to it. And that Mm -hmm. means you're going to have brands in weird places or what we used to think of as weird places. And there's going to be maybe, um, you know, more Fortnite style experiences, you know? Um, I, I mean, I think Superman's in the game. So you could literally mm-hmm. duo up with Ariana Grande and Superman in Fortnite. Um, Not a collab I was thinking we would be talking about. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and I think, you know, for us, uh, as people who are gamers and sports fans, I think we also see that this is starting to kind of encroach on what used to be sports territory in pop culture. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you think about the Super Bowl halftime show and, you know, I don't know if this is hitting that level of numbers, but it's exceeding a lot of big sporting events. It's close. The attendance for the Ariana concert was 27.7 million players. It was attended 45.8 million times total. For your sports comparison, NBA Finals, they averaged just under 10 million viewers. The Super Bowl, I did check, was around 98 million last year. So not quite to that level, but uh, closer than I think uh, a lot of other stuff has come before, especially in this medium. Well, and this is what, like maybe the 10th concert in seven years that Fortnite's put together. The Super Bowl has literally had almost 60 years of development. So Mm -hmm. um, will those numbers change in the next 10 years? I mean, we will see. That'll be one to be fun uh, to revisit here in a little bit. (laughs) A long bit, actually. (laughs) All right. So um, we're going to get to one big thing. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to I want to do a quick one, a, kind of a recap. Uh, last community flyby, we talked about hackers and the challenge. And I think you you reminded me that I said that when the content creators leave, um, that's that would when be it, what matters. Yeah, yeah, that would be what matters. And and so we saw Nick Merck's, um switch. You want to you want to talk about that a little bit the switch and sure, what you've sure, seen? Sure, sure, yeah. So Nick Merckx officially announced the switch to Apex Legends. Like he fully on video, he's now uh, making YouTube videos exclusively Apex Legends. He was like, "Oh, maybe I'll turn it back on for an update or something." But I'm fully playing Apex at this point, and was telling that to like his buddies, like he's been playing COD with for the last you know two years, like Tim the Tat, Cloxy, and those guys are both playing apex also right now not as full-time as nick has but nick is averaging like 50 to 65k concurrent viewers like the dude's a monster it's he's the biggest apex streamer now by far but he's absolutely addicted to the game just did an 18 hour stream the other day on accident pretty much because he got just lost playing ranked but i do think it's interesting because we talked about well what what does it when does it matter the content creator switches when it matters is when the content creator switches and now we're actually seeing that and we're seeing a trend of it across socials as well with all these creators saying like apex is the wave that's kind of like the term floating around right now and everybody's joining apex leaving cod what does that mean though for cod and its community and apex and its community i think that's kind of a fun thing to talk about well i think there's 
the big picture and then there's the narrow picture, right? And I think the narrow picture is it puts a lot of pressure on Activision to solve the problems that mm-hmm. the COD community is experiencing. Because um, when hackers hit your game the at the level that it's pushing some of your most um, influential players out, it's, you know, it's leaving you exposed in the short term. Yeah. I think long term... What's probably happening, and this is totally a hunch, but what's probably happening is that Call of Duty Warzone is going to get a big update coming this fall with Mm -hmm. the update for the next Call of Duty release. And that will solve a lot of the hacking problems. And they're probably working at that. So short term, their numbers might dip, right? Like Mm -hmm. they they may sit there and go, damn, September, not great for Warzone, right? But can they bring them back? And I think the question there's the question for the big term uh, or the kind of the big picture, that question that I have is like, I don't know what this sort of um, issue does for your long term trust with your players. Mm-hmm. Call of Duty has a lot of built in trust because they've consistently delivered a great gaming experience. Um but this is a different world. This isn't like, hey, come spend $60. This is like, hey, come live with us for a year and spend money like kind of incrementally. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I don't know that there's an answer. Um, but what I do think that Call of Duty will want to do is they'll probably want to have some pretty smart messaging around what they've done to solve or to assure the most optimal play experience when they Mm -hmm. go to this new update for Warzone in the fall. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It'll come down to that messaging. It'll be really interesting to see. I'm sure plenty of people will make that switch back per se or something, but it is really cool for Apex too. Uh, I I had a question for you. Like, yeah, sure. Does it feel like Apex is, is just like, like it's getting more play right now? Oh my God. It's a rocket ship right now. It's beyond insane that we, I've talked about on my podcast the last three weeks, we've mentioned they've broken their Twitch record. They've broken their concurrent player base record. They were the number one trending game on Twitch last week for the first time since launch. Like the game is absolutely exploding. And the crazy thing being a part of the community is that there is there is some gatekeeping as there is i think with every community they there's some poor people in there that try and do some negative stuff but for the most part i see people like in my community being like yo go watch nick Merck's latest youtube video we want to smash the call of duty numbers so he never goes back like that's like the mentality i've seen people taking and it's working like he is hitting numbers he hasn't hit on youtube and with his twitch from for a long time at this point which is it's really cool to see the community kind of like take it and embrace it and not be frustrated about new people coming well and i i mean for a battle royale like if i'm an existing player i like newcomers for a few reasons one um maybe they'll help me feel better about how I play because they're new. I wish. And so you get a few <laughs> weeks, maybe, maybe a few days, a few hours um, of feeling good, right? Like, Bob. man, like it's like I'm playing with bots. Um, <laughs> I, I think the other thing is matchmaking, right? The more people mm-hmm. that there are playing, the more matchmaking there is. And if you're at the top level, you want more good players. And, you know, there's some great people playing. I'm sure there's some great, great players 
that have been investing in Warzone. And if they're switching to and spending their time on Apex, that's only going to make the product more fun. And, you know, all these totally. multiplayer games are built on the idea that the more people there are, the better the matchmaking gets is how I understand it. And when that happens, it makes for a really fun time. Yeah. Apex has their full out like arenas separate playlist from their BR now as well. And so like it is nice to have even more people coming in with that being permanent, getting a ranked system. But yeah, it's really cool. And it's awesome that guys I've loved like Nicewig. I don't know if you ever heard of that guy as a streamer, but he's a pretty big Apex streamer. And people were in his chat like saying, oh, aren't you pissed that Nick Merckx is coming in here and like taking your viewers? Because obviously he's popping towards the top. And he just responds with, uh, I just peaked like my highest concurrent like viewership ever. Like it's only good. Bring them on. Keep them coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. One last thing. I think, you know, um, this is always ha- a hard one to talk about. Um, and I don't want to like point any fingers at anybody in the industry, but you know, I've, I've been in the industry long enough before that I worked in sports journalism. And so I was telling a friend of mine that I've never actually seen an industry that's like super healthy with, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of how it respects, um, coworkers and specifically female coworkers. Um, it's just, you know, locker rooms were not always great places to be a female. I always thought reporters were very brave. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of women out there who are very brave as well to work in the gaming industry and put up with a lot of, a lot of shit that they shouldn't. So, um, I guess, you know, and this is going to be a question. I don't, I don't have an answer for this, but I thought it was important if we're going to do a community flyby to talk about it. And that's like, as a community, uh, the gaming industry, how do we improve ourselves? How do we, uh, frankly grow up a little bit? And, you know, look, this is hitting everybody. We can talk mm-hmm. about the big companies, You know, there's been indies recently, too, with people who have made these games that people adore on the independent level who have also had to come out and say, yeah, I haven't been a good coworker or employer. And so, um, you know, um, how do we make a safe space for, you know, both females, but other, um, you know, diverse uh, employees, you know, how... How do we make inclusive spaces? And I think it's it's tricky, right? And you know, I hear things like we're gonna boycott this this company's games, right? Like there was the mm-hmm. attempted boycott of Activision Blizzard and the walk you know, out. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I thought some journalists did a nice job. I, I I'm pretty sure Axios did a nice job talking about the unintended consequences of that sort of decision making by the community. Um and there was you know to not to completely shift the subject, but there was a little bit of optimism to, to hear that sort of talk in the gaming community, because I think it shows just how wide this audience is now and how big these communities are and, and what a big tent we're building as an industry. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the old stereotypes about gamers, they're dissipating every day. And, And it's because of this, it's because the tent is growing and that you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to be a certain person to be, you know, proud to play games and love them and have fun with them. Um, and I, you know, look, I don't, I don't know how we solve this, um, other than we just try to be more empathetic and, 
and 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 be more supportive of those of us who maybe aren't like us. Um, but I hope that we as an industry do challenge ourselves to find ways to grow that tent, um, to grow and diversify um, the people who work in this industry, because I, I think those two things go hand in hand. Yeah, it's a yeah, definitely some good thoughts. It's a tough topic, I feel like, to discuss, especially, you know, from our perspectives, as it's not like it's something we are experiencing, you know, like between you and I. And it's very interesting for me to be someone I'm in the midst of sending out job applications to all these places while I'm hearing about these things. And yeah, it made me very much like say, I'm going to definitely take a pause on like Activision as like a company I'm looking at applying to because it, it's very it's tough to hear that it's as widespread as it was. And from a community perspective, it was optimistically great and cool to see so many people step up in unity around the good side of it and standing up for everybody and that is obviously a nice thing it's the actions that speak louder than words though um and we could go on and on about you know did have they done the right thing since then how long will it take to recover but i feel like that's not really our place to really talk about and uh share our opinions and thoughts on that but it is interesting like coming into the gaming industry coming in from you know i grow up in seattle like very liberal diverse area it's that's been my entire life and i feel like i'm on the right track for hopefully you know living a life where i can i'm not gonna be taking any of the actions like this and such um but it's definitely it's tough to see and it's sad to see that it's constantly still happening. And hopefully this is a more sign of change to come. I think that was really well said, Shay. And, you know, I think I want to leave it at that. Okay. I think that's, I think that's a, we can leave it at that. We're at, let's see, do we want to, do you want to talk about split gate for a little bit real quick here before we wrap it up? A um, little bit, a little bit. Just, just like a touch because I think it's a I think it's interesting you know it's something I know you're paying attention to Splitgate real quick that they are obviously interesting story 1047 games launches Splitgate aren't expecting a huge player base huge player base comes in they have to shut down servers they end up getting huge investments and now they've got lots of money but they don't have employees I think it's cool to look at them though from a case study of what have they done for their community since then and they have an amazing discord that is used in ways i haven't seen before in terms of how they communicate their game they are they have long queue times that are slowly dissipating and coming down to actually enter the game to play and the access to that is really cool via discord they're doing live q a's on discord live q a's on twitch constantly making tiktoks about you know hey here's what we're changing oh here's a really cool highlight we want to share for the community i just think if you know if anyone's interested in looking at i think how from my perspective as someone that's a little bit you know younger very social media invested person entering the gaming industry i look at splitgate and i'm like they are doing something really cool and how i would want to do it if i was a player for a game how you know okay so you're i i, I just want to make sure I, I i got this right you're playing splitgate oh i'm playing splitgate yeah okay. um it's my second game right now and outside how, of Apex. how are the queue times the queue times now are pretty good like okay. 
five minutes to two minutes, but I was still playing when the queue times were two hours and I was loading up the game and then doing something else. So, so this is an important <laughs> lesson, I think, for game companies to recognize. Um, obviously, this is not how you want to launch a game as a service. Like, yeah. Try to avoid it. However, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are some players who have left and never who have not come back yet. You, you, totally. you know, you are going to lose some players when you have this. So you I have got to keep friends that, in that mind. have done that. Yeah. yeah right. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not doing that again. Uh, right. Like shame me once. That's it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Splitgate is not the first game to have this problem where the game like just had a had a technical issue. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we all kind of understand that for the most part especially in online competitive games. We understand it takes a little bit of time to make sure that the service part works properly. Um, So I like to hear teams who are leveraging modern technology and modern tool sets to solve what are essentially not new problems, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty sure that there was talk at Riot about, you know, when League had issues, like, you know, I think they would talk about the storefront and how everyone went to go buy something and the store just didn't work. It was just like mm-hmm. broken. Um, you know, I could probably think of a couple other games if I thought about it. I know we talked about Kerbal. I know Kerbal had issues and, it, you know, it had to talk through and Kerbal was a single player game. So it's a totally different mm-hmm. beast. But, um, you know, it's good to hear that, you know, these teams are understanding the challenge. I hope they're getting some sleep. Because um, Me it's, too. <laughs> it's tough, right? You Four-person team. Yeah, you're just constantly <laughs> freaked out. And I know they made a pretty good raise recently. So hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, that that some of that money is getting put to good use. So um, that's great. That's a, I think that's a great example of, you know, somebody leveraging community to, you know, recover from a tricky situation. Definitely. We've talked about all the platforms that they're using for through the interviews with Simon and Ryan and such previously, which were really cool to hear them in that perspective. And these guys are doing it on a pretty uh, mainstream level right now in a different way. So it is cool to monitor and see that, you know, someone else going to pick up this kind of strategy as well in the future for how you go about sharing information and such. And as a gamer first right now, before I've fully entered the industry, I really do appreciate it. Discord's very powerful. Uh, you know, I, it's very I, I, good. <laughs> I work with a lot of clients that, that leverage it in different ways. And there's a lot of creative ways to tackle it as well. Um, you know, and that's where, you know, having a strong developer uh, relationship with your community team and with your marketing and your communications team can really come come through and shine. That's all for our show today. Thank you so much for listening to the Community Feedback Loop podcast. You can listen to previous episodes for more conversations with other amazing people we've met in the video games industry. And please subscribe to Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify to support the show. We'll catch you next week.